calling an audible on the series today. You knew that was coming, but it's still part of the series. I just changed the topic. So we've been in a series called Deadly Invitations, and we've been talking about things we invite into our lives that have the potential to harm us emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And today we were supposed to talk about boundaries and people, you know, relationships that we invite into our life where we don't have the proper boundaries and we enable those people to hurt us. And we're still going to talk about that. I'm just going to bump it back a week. But instead, I wanted to introduce a new topic today, and we're going to talk about fear. Because if you want to talk about a deadly invitation, and we'll also talk about its close cousins, panic, anxiety, and worry. But you want to talk about a deadly invitation, think of what fear does to us emotionally and spiritually and relationally. Just think of the impact that fear has. And we invite it into our lives. I know that like, there's good reasons to be afraid. And so fear there's, it's kind of our natural defense system. So we run away or we fight or whatever. That's what happens when we fear. But sometimes we can allow fear to come into our lives and it becomes crippling. And it just kind of spirals out of control. And, and it really feels like that's happening right now uh, across our world. Not just across our country, but across our world. That fear is starting to just kind of spiral out of control. And how do we as the people of God respond to it? How do we respond to fear? The Bible says over 80 different times, do not be afraid or do not be scared. So it's something we ought to pay attention to. And we're going to pay attention to it today. Um, I, I called the audible on this series actually Wednesday morning. So on Tuesday night, and it kind of like, it feels like that was three months ago, but Tuesday night I was wrestling with, do I talk about fear or not? Do I address what's going on with the coronavirus or not? I mean, that was just Tuesday. I was thinking, I don't know, you know, but I don't know if everybody's too worried about this. I don't know, like, and so Tuesday night I posted a question on Facebook and said, how are you feeling? Like, are you scared? Are you genuinely concerned and worried about this or is it no big deal? And it was hundreds of comments so I'm like regardless of how people felt people are talking about it. there was all these comments and the majority of them Tuesday night were this is no big deal I mean this is like oh, it's, you know some people thought it was part of a government conspiracy or whatever you know I mean there was all of these kind of theories but like, oh, it's no big deal people panic for nothing you know don't pay attention to the media and all that kind of stuff um, man a lot changed since Tuesday night I'd be interested if I posted the same question now what kind of responses I would get. But some of you still may feel like this is no big deal. Like the whole thing's blown out of proportion. All right. So that's that's one group of, of folks. Second group of folks were those that said, I'm I'm genuinely scared. I'm worried. I'm concerned. And um some of them were worried and concerned because there's people in their family that are at risk. Maybe they've got older members in their family or there's folks with, you know, existing medical conditions that puts them at greater risk or you know weakened immune systems and so like there's genuine fear and I want you those of you that think it's no big deal I want you to put yourself in their shoes okay and and all these comments about well the flu kills more people than this let's dial that back a little bit okay if somebody you love dies from the flu that's a big deal it's no longer a stat and so, you know, if we've got people in our community and in our, in our church that uh, if, if they're genuinely scared and concerned because of folks in their family, then we should care and concern because of folks in their family. We should love our neighbor and treat others in the way that we want to be treated. And some people aren't scared necessarily because of health reasons. Some people are scared because of the economy. They're scared because their job is tied to a specific part of the economy. They're like, hey, if this shuts down for much longer... 
I, my employment could be affected or, uh, you know, my paycheck could be affected. And so some people are scared for those reasons. And some people are scared just because we don't know what's going to happen when people panic. Like, we don't, I, like, I'm not bothered about it right now and I'm calm and worried, but what's going to happen if people panic and they buy up all the toilet paper or whatever? You know, I mean, that's what's happening. The shelves are emptying. And I don't know why. I don't know why that's our number one concern when we face a virus like this. But, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And so there's, there's, oh, there's one other group I was going to mention. The other group, I think, are those that say they're not scared, but I feel like it's kind of like a, a false bravado. You know, like they're, they're online going, well, I'm booking cruise ship tickets right now. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> I like, I'm not too scared and I'm not panicked, but I am not getting on a cruise ship right now. So like, I, know, like, I think there's some people that want to put on kind of the false bravado, but privately they're worried and again I wonder what it would look like if I posted that question now because it was like from Wednesday to Sunday of this week the fear and panic went from like a level two to a level eight or nine and you'd like they diverted a plane because somebody sneezed on the plane I mean the pla- the passengers got disruptive because somebody sneezed on the plane and they had to divert it and land the plane and you guys have been to the grocery store and you know you can't buy any toilet paper right now or Perel or those kinds of things and, I mean, it's just all those seasons got canceled and all the travel bans are in place and the national state of emergency and, and all of this stuff that's going on and all, I mean, it's just kind of spiraling, spinning out of control. And the question is, as people of faith, how do we respond? Do we respond any differently than the world around us? And I think the answer is, is yes. And so what I'm going to address is how do we respond to fear? And this is not the first time we've faced a health panic, right? We've, SARS, uh, Ebola, uh, Ebola um, H1N1, you know, there, there's other health panics that we've had to face in the past. It's not the first global kind of fear that we've faced. If you remember the, the, what was going on at the end of uh, 1999 with Y2K, and people look back at that now and go, oh, it's no big deal, you know, look what happened. Yeah, but it, was a, it was a big deal at the time, and there was a lot of genuine worry and concern. And we've been through global recessions and um, oil shortages, but we have lots of reasons to fear in our modern world. The storms that just hit Nashville that many of us went to sleep and didn't, weren't even aware till we woke up and saw the news. Uh, natural disasters, terrorism, mass shootings, cancer. I mean, the list is endless of reasons that we have to fear. And it's real easy for fear to spiral out of control because if you start thinking about all the things that could happen to your family or all the things that could happen to your you know, savings account or all of those things, it's real easy to get ramped up in that spiral out of control. So we're going to go to God's Word and see if we can find some instruction. And we're going to look at two stories uh, that are told in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you've got a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to look up Matthew chapter 8. And these are both stories about Jesus. And Matthew puts them together in a way that I had, had not really seen before. But the first one's in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23. And so what's going on? Jesus has just finished teaching. And he's teaching about the cost of following him. And so right after he finishes teaching, Matthew says this, Then he got into a boat, and his disciples followed him, and suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. 
the disciples woke, uh, went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, Mark tells the same story in his gospel with one important difference. In Mark's gospel, Jesus asked the question, you of little faith, why are you so afraid, after he calmed the storm. In Matthew's gospel, he asked the question, while the storm is still raging. And I, you know, I don't know why the difference there, but I want you to think about it from Matthew's perspective. So the storm is still raging. The boat is about to be sunk. Maybe Jesus, as he asks ask this question about it, you know, he's got his arm wrapped around a, a mast there, and he's got, you know, water's rising up over their feet. You know, he's having to scream above the wind and above the waves, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? And you put yourself in the disciples' shoes as they're watching it, going, what do you mean, why are we so afraid? Have you not watched the news? Do you not watch CNN? Do you not know what's going on? This boat is about to sink. We are. Be- Do you not see the wind? Do you not see the waves? Have you not followed social media, Jesus? Do you not know what's going on? What- How could you ask us, why are you so afraid? And to top it off, he's sleeping in the storm. And so it's, it's like this feeling. I mean, if, you're the, if you're the one going to wake him, it's like, I can't believe we've got to wake Jesus up for this. Why is he sleeping in the storm? Because it comes off as indifference. And you can even read the question as indifference. You know, why would he rebuke them for being afraid when there's obvious reasons to be afraid? But I want us to try to see this story from a, from a little different perspective. Because I know when we put ourselves in their position, sometimes we get in situations like that where we're afraid and it feels like God is sleeping through it. Like we've been praying, and we've been praying, and we've been praying, and there's no answer. It feels like God is not concerned. It feels like, you know, it's, it, not, we're never going to see a breakthrough. It feels like the night is never going to end. And we sing those words, and we want to believe them, and, and we want to trust God, and we want to have faith. But it feels like God is not concerned about our problems. It feels like God is not doing anything. And so you hear it in the disciples' question. They said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. In Mark's gospel, they actually ask the question, don't you care if we drown? Like, I mean, they're, they're kind of, you know, don't you care about this? I mean, it feels like God doesn't care. But I don't see his sleep as an act of indifference or a lack of concern. I see it as a sign of trust. Jesus is trying to communicate something to his disciples, even through his sleep. And he's trying to communicate something to the disciples through his question. And we are going to have good reasons in our lives to be scared. Okay, whether or not you're scared about this reason that we're dealing with right now as a country is, is a mute point because you are going to have reasons to be fearful in your life. You're going to have reasons to be anxious and worried and afraid. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus actually promised it. He said, in this world you will have trouble. You can expect it. It's why some people say all of us are either in a crisis right now immediately exiting a crisis or getting ready to enter a crisis. Like, you're going to have trouble. You can expect it. But notice what he says next. I have overcome the world. Take heart. I have overcome the world. What Jesus is saying is kind of the reality that all of us live in. He's saying, you're going to have reasons to be afraid, but don't be afraid because you serve a God who can calm even 
the wind and the waves. And so his sleep is not an act of indifference. It's an act of trust. And his question was not accidental. His question was intentional. Jesus knows they're scared. He knows why they're scared. He can see the wind and the waves around them. What he's doing is pointing them to something deeper. Don't look at the wind. And don't look at the waves. Look at me. Look at the Son of God who has power over the wind and the waves. And put your faith and your trust in me. That's lesson number one. Look what happens just a few chapters later in chapter 14. Basically, the same thing happens. And we get to find out whether or not any of the people in the boat the first time caught it. Okay? It's in um, Matthew 14, verse 22. Right after Jesus fed the 5,000, and there was this huge you know, teaching that he did there with these, these 5,000, this time he sent the disciples ahead of him in the boat. He said, you guys go ahead to the other side of the lake, and I'm going to stay here to spend some time in prayer. So uh, right there in verse 23, it says, After he dismissed the crowd and the disciples, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So another storm came up. And once again, the disciples are scared and they're fearful. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I, I love that. If you put this all in context, like the first boat trip, a storm arose. And Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. And all those guys were in that boat when Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. And then sometime later, I'm not exactly sure of the timeline, but sometime later, they're in a boat again. And another storm comes up. This time Jesus is not sleeping. He's actually not with them at all. But when Jesus joins them, they're all just as scared as they were the first time, except one guy. Peter actually got it the first go around. And so Peter boldly says, hey, Lord, if it's you, tell me to step out of this boat and walk on the water to you. And Jesus says, you know, in essence, all right, come on. And so Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. So Peter climbs out of the boat in great faith and boldness. I mean, he's re- he, I'm trusting God that you've got this. And he climbs out of the boat with all kind of courage and faith. And then he opened social media. And he just started scrolling. And he turned on the news, and he just started watching, and the headlines just start, kept coming and coming. and coming. Peter saw the wind, and he saw the way, and he looked around, and he said, what am I doing? How can I, how can I step with faith in a situation like this? And he started to sink, and then he cried out, God save me, and immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You catch that? Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. When he cried out for God's help, he immediately gave it to him. And then he said, you have little faith, why did you doubt 
And then they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Like they got it then. The rest of the disciples, the, the other 11 that didn't get out of the boat, it hit them. Like, this is truly the Son of God. And again, it's easy to see Jesus' question here as one of rebuke. Like, like you know, I, I was, the way I grew up, I read this passage as an angry Jesus. You know, kind of frustrated that he has to help Peter out. What's the matter with you? You don't have enough faith. And, you know, picking him up. You know, why did you doubt? I've come to see it at this point in my life as a, as a smiling Jesus. Or maybe even a laughing Jesus. Like, oh, you don't think I got this? You know, just kind of like to see Peter's kind of small faith growing into this bigger faith and he sees him like boldly jump like I, I believe you got this God and he jumps out there and he starts to sing I see Jesus kind of just a, an act of reassurance just like we would if our two-year-old was scared of something that they really shouldn't be scared of because if they knew what we knew they would know there's nothing to fear and so you're like what are you so afraid of you're like monsters under the bed you know I mean like you're when you're five-year-old scared of monsters under the bed and you say to him, you know what are you so afraid of because we know Something that they don't know. And I kind of see Jesus in this context here. This is an intentional reminder of trust. I know the wind is scary. I know the waves are high. But you've got to keep your eyes on me. You have to trust in me. You have to put your hope and your confidence and your faith in me. Here's my, my question that I thought through this week. <sighs> What's the absolute worst thing that can happen? Like, what, what are we afraid of? If you talk about the coronavirus, what are we afraid of? And we say, well, we're afraid of getting sick. And I know, I mean, but I mean the, the absolute worst thing that can happen. Well, we're afraid of, you know, losing a job or losing our income. Or, and I know, I'm not, the, the worst. The worst is what? It's death. That's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of death. But as people of faith, we believe that even God's got that. One of the most common things Jesus says after the resurrection, what he says to the women after the resurrection, what he says to the disciples after the resurrection is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For Christians, there's no fear in life, and there's no fear in death. Now, that doesn't mean that we are reckless. Being fearless doesn't equal recklessness. So that doesn't mean like we're going to ignore public health officials and, and we're not going to take the advice of you know, public officials. I mean, we still use common sense and we still take necessary precautions and we still do all of those things, but our faith rests solidly in the God who has the power to calm the wind and the waves, the God who has the whole world in his hands, and the God who has defeated death itself I mean the, the hope of the Christian faith is the resurrection we're preparing to celebrate that on Easter and right now churches are thinking you know, are we even going to get to celebrate Easter the answer is yes we may not be in a building together but we will celebrate Easter and we will celebrate the resurrection because the resurrection reminds us we do not have to fear the resurrection allows us to calm our hearts and to calm our minds and to trust in the God who has defeated death itself. What an opportunity we have to share that with people right now.
with people who are scared that don't have that hope and that confidence, that don't know that God. The church doesn't need to run away. The church needs to run in. Let me pray for us. Father, we trust in your word and we believe that your word will come to pass. And so when you tell us to not be afraid, we seek to embed that in our hearts because honestly, we are afraid and we are scared and we do worry and we do panic. And the more out of control we feel, the more afraid we get. Father, help us to put our focus on you. Help us to pay attention to the waves, but to not let them dominate our thoughts. Help us to notice the wind and take the necessary precautions against it, but to not let it be the overriding part of our life. We looked past the wind and the waves to you. The one who defeated death itself. The resurrected king who continues to resurrect us. We thank you for that hope that we can rest in. That even in scary and frightening times, we have a God who is able to calm even the wind and the waves. God, help us to remind that to ourselves and remind that to our neighbors and remind that to our community. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen.